to dive into God's word together here this morning. Whether you're here at our Latham campus, at our Half Moon location, watching online, or I wanna give a shout out to my Saratoga campus where I get the joy to serve as the campus pastor there. And I'm so glad to be able to study God's word together here this morning and to continue this series, Fan Fiction. Well, being from Saratoga, maybe many of you here at Latham or watching online at our Half Moon location, maybe you've never been up to our Saratoga location. So I wanted to show a couple pictures here this morning as we got started, as we get started. And the first one is going to be where things were even just a few months ago. You can see the snow still on the ground there. And this is the front of the building here at Grace Saratoga. And we've had a construction project going on the city's been doing. So we're going to go to the next picture. And this is what it looks like as of this week. We got a whole new entrance, and they have paved the path all in front of the building there. And it's an exciting time as they continue this walking, biking, running path that's going to kind of go all around Saratoga Springs as a way for people to really be able to get out into the community and be a part of things. And so we're, it's been fun to watch. It's been exciting to watch. But it's also been fascinating to watch. You see, if you've been around a construction project, with, with, which you, if you're here at Latham this morning, you walk through one on the way in. So construction projects are interesting. There are some things that we expect, right? You expect if you walk into a construction site, you're going to see people with hard hats. You're going to see them using certain tools. And that's what we've been seeing go on with this project. The different workers have come different times. They've got their equipment. They're ready to go, and things are moving along. However, there's been times where we've had a lot of questions as a staff as we've been watching this project, where they'll come one day and they tore out the old sidewalk and then it just kind of sat there. And then a couple days go by and they come back and they kind of level some things out and it's down to the dirt and it just sat there. And then they come back a few days later and they throw down some gravel and make it, you know, start and you see some piles left and then they walk away. And all the while we're going, what is going on? You drive down the road and then they've torn up the sidewalk down the road over there and they've done this work over here. And then finally, they just keep moving progress day by day. But we have found ourselves, and I'm sure you have and will at times, maybe even here at our Latham building where you're going, what's taking so long? And you are unaware of the time frame or the holdups or the supplies that need to come in or how things go. And we can find ourselves, and I know we have jokingly as a staff even going, I just don't understand. And even feel some judgment start to well up. Going, man, if I were in charge of this, I think I would do things a little differently. Or this doesn't seem to make sense in my mind that they finished the whole thing down by the park but they haven't touched this part in front of our building. Or they close the entrance one week and then it's open the next. And then they close it again and then it's open again. And then half of it's open and then there's one-way traffic. And we have all these questions. And as we've been in this series, I've been thinking about how our lives, how we can often have different pieces and different things that are going together, but other things that don't make sense or other things that maybe leave us with questions. So we've been in this series, Fan Fiction. If you've been here the last couple weeks, Pastor Tim in the first week talked about how the, the phrase and feeling like a godly home equals godly children is a proverb, but it's not necessarily a promise that we hold on to. It's something that we seek towards, but it's not always going to be a given. And last week, Pastor Matt talked about how God will never let us down, but yet life 
shows us and tells us that it feels like God lets us down. And what do we do when it feels like God has let us down? Well, today, as we continue this series, I thought I would ask all of you, all of us at every location to help me finish the phrase, the title that you're seeing here this morning, God helps those who help themselves. All right. I heard many here. I'm sure all of you that are watching Half Moon Online, Saratoga, were saying that as well. God helps those who help themselves. I'll just even ask for a show of hands. How many of you have heard that phrase? All right. I won't ask you to raise your hands how many say that phrase on a regular basis, all right? I'm sure many of you do. But I will say, or I'll follow up, and again, won't ask for a show of hands, but I think if I were to ask, how many people would say, well, that is a verse in the Bible? It wouldn't be shocking, and in fact, I would expect about four out of five of you would raise your hands. See, according to Barna Research, four out of five, about 80% of people believe this phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is in the Bible. And many would even go on, there's another poll that would show, would say this is one of the most popular phrases in the Bible, one of the most popular Bible verses, but it never actually appears in the Bible. So you go, why is that? Where do we get this from? That people feel so strongly that this must be biblical. This must be a thing that people hold on to in their lives. Well, the reason is there's so much history behind it. This goes all the way back to fables and old, old times. Even those most famous would be Aesop's fables. You have Hercules and the Wagoner where a guy's wagon is stuck in the mud and he's crying out, Hercules, Hercules, help me. And Hercules says, well, get up and put your shoulder to the wheel to get your wagon out of the mud. Thus, the moral, the gods, in that sense, help those who help themselves. Another person is shipwrecked, crying out to the goddess Athena, help me, help me. And it says, she says, well, why don't you try swimming first? Thus, the gods help those who help themselves. But more famously, more recently, it's popularized in the phrase that we have today, God helps those who help themselves by none other than Ben Franklin. In Poor Richard's Almanac, Ben Franklin made this phrase popular. And see, Ben Franklin, interestingly, was a deist, believed in God, believed in a higher power, but never claimed a faith in Jesus Christ. You see, he was even friends with George Whitfield, and George Whitfield tried over and over and over to get Ben Franklin to believe in the message of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and Ben Franklin never accepted that. Even when George Whitfield passed away, it's quoted as Ben Franklin saying, Whitfield never got the satisfaction of seeing me believe in the message of Jesus. I think one of the other reasons that we want to believe this phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is because it feels like we've been talking about with these other fan fiction stories, these fan fiction phrases, it's something we want to believe. I'll ask for a show of hands again. How many of you love a good formula? An A plus B equals C, the X plus Y equals Z, all right? I'm with you. You love a good formula. They just put put in the information and you get a result. That's what we want to see. 
And so I think many of us take this phrase and want to live our lives in such a way that it is God helps those. If I just pull my weight, if I just carry on forward in a strong way, if I just live a good life and then God will kick in his side of things and it'll be a good partnership, right? That's what many people bring to and think their spiritual lives are about, but it's not. See, Jesus Christ came to this earth and when he did, he didn't come on some assistance mission. He came on a rescue mission. See, there was nothing that we could do to earn God's favor. There is no helping God help us in this partnership. God helps those who help themselves. It is all of God, nothing of us, all of his grace, all of his mercy, all of his love, and nothing of our own. And so that's what I want us to focus on today as we study God's word together. And you can grab your Bibles here, and we're going to look at some things together. And as you think through this, you might even be for a moment thinking about all this history and going, well, wait a second, wait a second, Pastor, isn't there some scripture that would speak to this? And yes, there is. So I want to look at some, some passages that give us this idea that God is asking us for obedience and he will bring blessings in some of the ways that you want to see this. So you're going to see a bunch of, of verses here coming up on the screen. This first one, Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And then we jump over to Proverbs, which Pastor Tim reassured us last week are not promises, but they're verses and things that we can look to. So Proverbs 6 says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Then Proverbs, the next one in Proverbs, Proverbs 12, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. The next one, Proverbs 12, 24, the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. The next one, Proverbs 13, four, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And then one more, Proverbs 21, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So a variety of Old Testament passages that show this kind of partnership here. And then, like I said, you might get to begin to think, well, yeah, isn't it biblical? God helps those who help themselves. And there is an Old Testament reality that there seems to be blessing for the Israelites, God's people, when they follow him in obedience and often curses for those who are not following his leading, following his plan. But I love this last one, that last one, the horse is made ready, but it is the Lord that the victory belongs to. He is the one who is ultimately control, in control. Then as we jump to the New Testament, there are some verses that tell us we should be diligent and working hard. So let's look at a few of these. Colossians chapter three says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And the next one over in 1 Timothy 5 eight, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially the members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And one more in James 2.26, as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. So there does seem to be some reality that God longs for us to be diligent, to work hard, and to focus on all that he has for us, but not, but not, let me reiterate, 
to earn his favor. And that's what I want us to focus on the rest of our time today as we dive into a passage of scripture that may be familiar to many of you, but I want us to not miss some big things that we see here. And this is over in Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two, if you've got your Bibles or you can follow along as I read down through the first seven verses of this chapter and really get our hearts and minds and our attention on all that God has given to us in a relationship with him. So Ephesians chapter two says, and you, that's all of us, were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. This is where it turns. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I wanna stop there for now. We're gonna keep going in just a moment. But as we think about this phrase, God helps those who help themselves, I wanna, I wanna reframe it here. I want us to look at it a little bit different. And I've just got a few points to point out as we walk through this passage here in Ephesians 2. And the first one is that God helps those who recognize their need for help. And now you might wanna wrestle with me on the wording here, but I wanna, I wanna unpack this for just a second. God helps those who recognize their need for help. See, here's the reality. It says, you were dead in your trespasses and your sins in which you once walked. That's a reality for all of us. No matter how long you've been following Jesus, we moved from death to life. Even if you had the joy and privilege as I did myself of becoming a follower of Christ at a younger age and you think, I didn't have that much history or this big baggage that I was holding on to, you moved from death to life from darkness to light, to a relationship that was far from God to close with him. And it's recognizing the need for him, recognizing you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but it's God who made us alive. I love the example of this as Pastor Matt looked last week at Lazarus and how Jesus rose, raised him from the dead. What did Lazarus do to rise from the dead? Did he somehow pull his weight you know, did Jesus walk up to the tomb and go, hey, Lazarus, you know, if, if you wanna just start like wiggling around and get yourself going here a little bit, then, you know, I'm gonna come along and be like, all right, Lazarus, let's go. And let me like just prop you up as you walk out. We walk out of this tomb together. That's not what happened. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. Come out. And what did Lazarus do? He just responded. He recognized, I'm a, I'm a dead man here in the cave. God is calling me out. Jesus is calling me out. Come out. Come out of that grave. And he walks out of that grave. Not because of anything he could do, but because Jesus called him out. And see, I think many of us 
often before we come, become followers of Christ, and maybe some of you here today, whether you're at Latham, any of our locations watching online, maybe you find yourself saying, you know what, I, I feel dead in ways. I feel like I'm in this dark place. Maybe even that, that feeling of I'm wrapped in the burial claws and I don't know what to do. And Jesus is calling you saying, come, come, come. But for whatever reason, up to now, you have found yourself saying, you know what? I'll figure it out. You know what? I, I, yeah, I'm in a bad spot, but it always comes around and I can, I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can get myself going again. You know, the, like the, it will get better. I just, I'm holding on for the day. I'm holding out hope where it is gonna, it's gonna get better and I'll, I'll be able to just pull myself along. Well, can I just tell you, there, there's someone here today I know that is just in that place and God is calling you saying, come, come receive the hope and salvation and the message of Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. See, God is patient. Maybe he's come to you many, many times and he has been calling and you say, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'll figure this out. I'm, I'm okay. Or you're saying, you know what? My life is so messed up. There's no way God could pull me out of this pit. And today he is saying, come. I long to have a relationship with you. We have a patient, loving God in 2 Peter 3.9. Yeah, you can give, give God a hand. We have a patient and loving God. In 2 Peter 3.9, we leave the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Jesus longs for us to turn and come to him in repentance and follow him. And it's nothing that we bring. We come empty handed. We come saying, Jesus, I need you. And he gives us brand new life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, Jesus, in this moment when you come to him, Jesus wipes away that past. For those of you who are saying, God could never save me. I'm, I'm so deep in sin. I'm so lost. I'm so far from him. There's no way God could pull me out of this. There is a reality that Jesus washes away that past. And he says, I'm here for you. I'm a loving father wanting to hold you in my arms. And as Pastor Rex often says, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And Jesus calls us to a place of salvation no matter what your past is. That is is what he calls us to, new life in him. He is full of love. I, I, I just wanna jump back for just a second. In verse four, this, it's, it's all of him. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Over in chapter three, I just wanna read a little section here in verses 18 and 19. It says at the end of verse 17, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful picture that God loved us so much. Even in the vast huge, immense, all that God is. I was reminded of the bigness of God this week as we got the first pictures from the David Webb telescope. And you just see these amazing pictures of the universe. And I don't know about you, but it almost gives you chills just because there's this reality of there's this incredible God of the universe who gives us this whole beauty of all that we see and even the tools now to be able to see more and more of it. 
And yet, and yet that God, so big, so immense, so beyond our imagination, as we looked at last week, that his mind is so much beyond his thoughts that are higher than us, everything beyond we could ever imagine, that he would love us. He would love me. He would love you so much that he would send his son to die in our place for our sin so that so that his name is glorified. Jump me back to verse seven. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ. When we go back to verse five again, when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive. He raised us up. He seated us with him so that he might show the riches of his grace. This is all about him. This is all about his grace. This is all about how much he loved us. And the only thing, that we can do is come with empty hands saying, Jesus, I need you. And that is what we see. Let's pick up in verses eight and nine as we see this second piece that God saves those, God saves those who believe by faith. Verses eight and nine, by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I've been going, uh, expounding on this a little bit. I don't want to spend too much time on this point because it's, it's simple. We receive the gospel message by grace through faith. Nothing else. There's nothing. I'm reminded of the old song that says, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. It's nothing that we bring. It's grace, the immeasurable riches of God's grace. He saves us by believing by faith. See, the struggle at this point is some people might think we're saved by grace through faith, and from there it's just up to God. We can just kind of sit back, wait for his return, you know, carry out a good life, say, thanks, God, thanks for the punch me, you know, out of, get out of, of hell free card. I'm on my way to heaven. Let's just carry on with the good life. But that's not it. See, God calls us to so much more than that. And that's our last piece of this today. Our, our third piece is God calls us to continued service for him. God calls us to continued service for him. Verse 10, four, so all of this, verses one through nine, we're, we're saved by grace through faith, and we come to this point. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So that puts to rest what I just said. We, we're not just supposed to just live out our lives and just kick back and be like, God, you know, thanks for the salvation and everything, but... I'm pretty good from this point on. I, yeah, I got this covered. No, God calls us. It says he prepared beforehand good works that we should walk in them. What does that look like for you? What are the works that God has called you to in your life, in your home, in your job, you see, I know, I know for me, without a shadow of a doubt, God has called me to be 
a man of God following hard after him. He's called me to be a husband to my incredible wife. He's called me to be father to my three wonderful children. He's called me to pastor here at Grace. And there's an incredible joy. There's incredible peace. There's an incredible just richness to following after the things that God has called us to in our lives. Will it always be easy? No. But when you're following after what God calls you to, he is with you every step of the way. You see, in the rest of the New Testament, this talk, Jesus talks about this over and over. In the Gospels, Jesus is with the disciples. And then he gets to the end of his ministry here on earth. The end of Matthew 28, he gives this great commission Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then what does he say? Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we go about our lives and we carry out all that God has for us, this repeated pattern of following hard after him because of his great love, because of his great mercy. There's no detachment between faith and and works. I want to jump over to James chapter 2 for just a minute. You're going to see it here on the screen. James chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that faith was active along with his work, and faith was completed by his works. Faith and works are not mutually exclusive. It's because of the faith that we have in Jesus, because of the relationship that we have with Jesus, that we carry out the works that he has called us to. As verse 10 here said, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you jump over to Romans chapter three, we're not gonna go there right now this morning, but if you look at Romans chapter three and Romans chapter four, this is repeated over and over and over. Paul says, None of us is righteous. No, not one. No one seeks after God. We've all gone astray. We've all gone our own ways. But then as you get into verses 21 and following of chapter three in Romans, it talks about how God put Jesus forth as the propitiation for our sins. It wasn't anything that we could do. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God, being rich in his mercy, made us alive. That is the hope that we have. That is the focus that we hold on to in every part of our lives. So as you think about this, you know, you could look at your life and maybe so far in this series, fan fiction, maybe especially last week as Pastor Matt shared and you're thinking about God will never let me down. You're like, you know, there's moments where I feel like God does let me down. You know, and I feel like you've been talking about here this morning, Pastor, that, you know, you, you just gotta carry out the work that God has, has called you to. You gotta reflect on the beauty that is following Jesus. It's all because of his grace and nothing that I do. But I feel like I'm carrying my weight. I'm carrying what I'm supposed to do. And I look at the world around me. And as the psalmist, I feel like this is unfair. I'm pulling my weight. Why isn't God helping me? And I think in some ways, that is what debunks this very phrase that we're talking about. God helps those who help themselves. That it's not about what you do. It's not about what I do. It's about following after Jesus and his perfect plan. You see, going back to this construction that we've been talking about at Saratoga and here at Latham, you watch things and, and you wonder, 
What does this all look like? Because we're not looking at the blueprints. We're not looking at the timetable. We don't see the big picture. And see, every time when we look around and think, man, this world seems unfair. It seems like I'm pulling, I'm doing what God has called me to do, and it's just not working out the way that I thought it would. We can recognize that God is up to something so much bigger than us. And that if there is, and if there is nothing else in this world, if, if life is nothing but a train wreck, from this day forward, salvation in Jesus Christ is enough. That is it. There is, there is nothing else that this world has to offer that compares to the relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to take just a second, though. For some of you, and I, I could find myself in this place, you look at your life and you go, yeah, you know, I've been doing all this stuff for God and you know, it seems like things are going pretty well. So this phrase must have some truth to it. I'm pulling my weight. God's matching it up, giving me some blessings here. So I don't understand why this isn't working out for everybody else. And in that moment, I want to challenge you because it can sound a lot like Luke 18. Luke 18 is a Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee says, I'm not like these other people. You know, I do, I'm tithing, I'm fasting. I'm, I'm not like that tax collector over there who he's broke some rules and he's messed up in his life. I'm not like that guy. The tax collector says, does, can't even get it in himself to look up to heaven, but he beats his breast and says, here I am a sinner in need of grace. And what does it say? That man, the tax collector saying, I need Jesus, went away justified. It's not about chalking up check marks of all the things that we do, but it's about following Jesus well, being his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works for his glory. So does God help those who help themselves? Here's the deal. That's not what it's about. It's not about does God help those who help themselves? It's about God who is full of grace and mercy, loving us. It's about us recognizing our need for a savior. It's about receiving that by faith, receiving the message of the gospel by faith, and then carrying out the work that God has called us to for his glory and his alone. So as we close this morning, just a couple of closing questions for you. If you are here today, any of our locations, and you have not received the message of the gospel, today is the day. The question is, what are you waiting for? Jesus is calling you, and he is a patient, loving father who's calling you to relationship with him. Today is the day to receive the message of the gospel. And for those who are followers of Jesus, today the question is, when's the last time you thanked him for that beautiful, amazing gift? 
And when's the last time you've gone to him in prayer and maybe even with others and said, there's nothing that I bring. And when we come to that day of standing before him, that we say, it's only through the righteousness of Jesus Christ that I stand here. And God, I've sought to follow out what you've called me to, the work that you placed beforehand that I should walk in it to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. So that we at Grace Fellowship and in our community, everywhere that we go, people see that we want to see more people become followers of Jesus Christ and we want to become better in following him with our lives, every part of our lives, that we give it to him and say, it's all yours, God. This is nothing that's about me. It's all for your name and your glory. Let's pray together. Father, we come and we are just in awe and thankful for just your precious gift of salvation. We thank you that you sent your son, that your word tells us in Romans that you demonstrated your love for us in that while we were still sinners, you sent Jesus Christ to die for us. That love is just beyond any comparison. So God, we thank you for that. And we come with empty hands saying, it is nothing of us, it is all of you, God. And today, Father, I pray if there's those here that are watching this message, that are, uh, that are just listening to these words, that today would be the day where they say, I need Jesus to be the forgiver of my sins. I wanna place my life into his hands. And for all of us who are followers of Jesus, may today and the days forward be days where we say, we wanna honor you and follow you with every part of our lives. We were created for your workmanship, for your name and your glory. To you belong all praise. And it is in the name of Jesus Almighty, our Lord and Savior, that we hang on to and that we pray these words. Amen.